Welcome to episode 69 of Friends of Film, a podcast discussing the latest movie news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Star Wars back in May, Malcolm's return to Jurassic Park, a new possible Flash director, and more all before we review The Circle. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by the man that has to wait even longer to be cast as the young Indiana Jones, Josh Straley. Oh, man. Shucks. <laughs> like, I had my hopes up, but agents like eh, it doesn't look like it's gonna work no. out so i'm stuck here there's what? always a few years from now you'll have another chance maybe yep hopefully but man chris pratt's like snagging every role in hollywood right now so who knows yeah he's uh i mean i feel like if they're gonna go young friendy he'll probably end up getting that role it just seems almost seems a foregone destined. conclusion right so now. who knows uh as i mentioned in the intro we're going to be reviewing the circle this week and we are changing up our format a little bit to do the review at the top of the show. So if you're here for the review, you'll get it right away. And then hopefully you will still stick around for all the news that happened this week. So if you want to wait for the news or if you are here for the review, it's coming right now. So if you're waiting for the news or if you don't really care about the news, just uh, sit tight and maybe listen to the first couple of topics. See if you want to stick around even longer. But Josh, what would you think of The Circle? Uh, the Circle was like a movie about... The future, I guess, but kind of. it really doesn't have anywhere to go with that premise. Um, uh, Acting-wise, Tom Hanks and Emma Watson are the sweetest people in the business. Uh, when I always enjoy their movies, Tom's especially. Emma has never been in a bad movie that I've seen so far that I can even think of. Um, uh, and then Tom Hanks is this like tech visionary grandpa dad joke making a surfer californian mm-hmm. like which he is like he, he fit that role perfectly i loved it uh Patton oswald in there it's always great to watch him just you know fit, react to whatever's happening <laughs> he's always so funny but karen jillian like jumped out at me i mm-hmm. already, already love her from doctor who she played a great gamora uh, nebula nebula in guardians of the galaxy but she just had like, she brought the energy to this movie and anytime she was on screen, at least in the first act, mm-hmm. terrific. Uh, but super disappointed in John Boyega's screen time. Yeah. Like on camera five, four times. Maybe. And speaks three of them or uh, something like that. So that was a letdown, especially because his character seemed to be like super important. <laughs> um, but anyway, the movie, like I said, doesn't have anywhere to go. And it's because it tries to like satirize or talk about like, you know, our technological future, but it doesn't pick, you know, a route to go down. Um, You know, there's so many things it wants to talk about, like, you know, the culture at Silicon Valley's and how that could be, you know, almost seclusionary at times. Um, The idea, like, if you're not online, you're practically dead or, you know, you have no real life. Then there's like, you know, technology having too much power in the world or, you know, Silicon Valley becoming like a one world government. They kind of like alluded to that. But then there's mass surveillance, too, which seemed to be the most central idea. But they never explore any of those. It's just like little ideas, you know, put in there as um, Emma Watson kind of just gets taken for a ride. And I was like oh, explore that, go explore this, but they never do it. And, uh, you know, finally, like, by the time we got to the end, I was just almost flabbergasted that they were leaving it right there. And I was like, there's no conclusion. What's the, what's the lesson? And there wasn't any. Um, so 
all in all, the, the acting made it bearable for me. And that was about it. Uh, so I'm going to give it two ticket stubs because Tom Hanks and Emma Watson are terrific. Yeah. Uh, I saw this movie basically last year with uh, the first episode of season three of Black Mirror, Nosedive, yes. uh, with Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen that episode of Black Mirror, you know exactly, or not exactly, it's not beat for beat the same plot, but it's basically the same concept of technology is taking over our world and how can we make people even more reliant on technology and the the inventions the circle makes while they are innovative they are also highly like terrifying as a, as a as a human being where i'm like this i could see this kind of stuff happening in the near future and i don't want to be any i don't want any part of this yeah. um so like the whole time i'm I'm thinking this is my like worst nightmare of a reality. So I didn't really like it from that perspective to start with, but I think that was maybe where they wanted to go with it to kind of like almost scare audiences and saying we're too heavily relying on technology. And the main lead Emma Watson, she kind of starts off as just like regular receptionist basically, or just uh, basically like a, a customer relations person where, Oh, I'll help you through this problem sort of thing. And she's also kind of not somebody that's like super on the grid and wants to be like, oh, here's my selfie. Here's my here's what I'm doing this very second of every single day sort of thing. And then as she stays with the circle, she becomes less and less that person. And by the end of the movie, she's basically like not the person she was to start. And it doesn't really make any sense how she went from where she was. And there's a very crucial moment with her and John Boyega that you think, oh, this is where this movie's going to go. Mm-hmm, yeah. And instead of her character following that arc, she goes in the complete opposite direction for really no reason. And I'm left scratching my head the rest of the movie going, why is she being stupid when she should be being smart? And the whole time, I'm basically John Boyega for this movie where he is just standing in the background with his arms crossed looking confused because he's like, <laughs> for one, John Boyega's probably like, why am I not being featured more in this movie this is really why you guys cast me just to stand here in the dark um okay but he's also probably thinking i liked this girl 20 minutes ago or like i mean in the movie time a week ago or two weeks ago but right now i don't even know who this girl is and i mean yeah tom hanks he's he's funny as the lead of the circle uh i like seeing eller uh coltrane from the uh boyhood he was uh mercer uh, Emma Watson's That's where friend. I'd seen yeah. him before. Um, and also, I mean, I love Karen Gillan as well. Um, Bill Paxton was also featured, which is a tough thing because in the movie he is sick and he obviously just recently passed away mm-hmm. from um, health problems. So that was almost on an uncomfortable level of this is almost too real in a, in a completely other sense of the technological perspective the movie is trying to take. Um. So, yes, since I didn't really understand why she's making these decisions and she's the main protagonist, I'm just kind of left wondering the rest of the movie, when is this going to change? And then it does change at a, at a certain point, but the reasoning behind, oh, that's the that's going to be the point where you change. And then, like you said, the conclusion is basically no conclusion. It's almost like they're leaving this open for a sequel, which is never going to happen. Right. Um, and I'm just like, that was a terrible ending to a really bad movie so i'm gonna fall right in line with you two ticket stubs out of five yeah um i I mean that that's 
I can't say enough about the ending. Emma Watson's character is like set up as this casual casual user of technology, becomes a power user, becomes someone who shares her every daily activity yeah. with the world, like a like a like a live streaming YouTube blogger, if right. you will. And I'm like, okay, I see where they're going with that. Um, like you said, right al- exactly along the lines of the Bryce Dallas Howard uh, Black Mirror episode. Uh, everything is about how she gets perceived online. Yeah. So she becomes it's all about her, the rating and yeah, yeah her best self. Mm-hmm. I think is what they kept saying uh, yeah. throughout the movie. There's also some really weird uh, like lines of dialogue, or even not. I mean, just kind of like ideologies that are around like secrets are lies. I was yeah. like. Uh, not necessarily. Right. Uh, you like are you're still holding a secret that you know who John Boyega is, and are, yeah, does exactly. that mean you? That mean you you're a lesser person, or like, and like, per, yeah. There's there's a and, lot of weird contradictions, and there's like that warped ideology that they could you know could have followed to, but they don't. They just kind of let it hang there. Yeah, and it's just like just like just grab one thread and mm-hmm. pull on it. I don't need thirty, but. Um, back to Watson. Yeah, she. At the end of it, you think she's going to have an epiphany. She has one epiphany that oh, if I'm sharing everything, then I'll be fine. Yeah. And then she shares everything, and then she loses her best friend. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, that'll change her, but it actually sends her like hard. Yeah, right. off the other way. Yeah, not back to middle ground, but like into extreme. Oh, I have to share everything that the leaders do too yeah like okay that's getting back at them but now you're okay with mass surveillance yeah shouldn't you be against it because it and it It was uh, was the exact opposite of what she was preaching at the beginning of the movie right i wanted to throw my hands up at that point plus i mean i I, like you mentioned karen gillens she her arc she starts off as a super preppy or not preppy but super like happy positive spunky yeah. yeah spunky like worker and she's all like you can do this, May. Like you're, you're gonna be the best person here, at the circle. And then, like, she kind of disappears. And the next time you see her, you're like something's clearly off about her. Mm-hmm. They don't explain what. And then by the end of the movie, you realize that some really dark stuff has happened in her life. And they don't talk. They don't do anything. Like they don't hit. They don't show you that at any point in the movie. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm glad you're recovering from this incident. And you're like, okay. Apparently, that's been happening this whole movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was it was almost too focused on Emma Watson's character, and since she had such a terrible arc, all those supporting characters are wasted, and it does it doesn't do anything to the movie. Yeah, exactly. And then I thought one one point I'm like, oh, I get it. The circle is this city on a hill. It's the perfect world for humans, but actually underneath of it, everything is gritty and real. And I thought that's why they kept going back to Watson's family and Mm -hmm. her health problems. And then you see Gillian's character, you know, dealing with drug abuse and things like that. But they never resolve it or they never plant a flag and say, Hey, here's that. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to, you know, mine this movie to pull out that idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's just like so many moments where Emma Watson's character, you're just like, you should not be okay with you know being monitored your every step or heartbeat or mm-hmm. you just like drank a like a tracker doesn't phase you now you have to like do all these like social things you can't basically go home because they're monitoring oh you didn't check in on any of the you didn't interact with any of the circlers yeah for the last two days mm-hmm. you're like uh it just doesn't make any sense so 
Uh, yeah, I would not recommend it to anybody. No, I mean, red box it for a dollar and have a discussion with a group. Yeah, that's, if you want to see it. maybe what the world could be like in you know 15 years and get some terror put in your body, then maybe maybe it could work from that perspective. I do have two final things, okay. like things that are maybe saving graces along with my 2.0. Um, the color palette, the yellow and oranges, I thought that was pleasant. I liked... Um, seeing California like that mm-hmm. and the special effects too. I did enjoy not only them, how they were presented on the screen, mm-hmm. but also as she vlogged her life, they would get comments yeah. coming through there. And I found myself just giggling at them because somebody had the job of writing all those yeah. pop up on pops ups on screen. And I just thought that was, I was waiting for like funny. one to be like super inappropriate just cause I was like, you know, if like somebody's live streaming something, oh, there's yeah. gonna be that guy, oh, yeah. And like it never happened, so like I was like, oh, like there was one was like, I'm eating cheese, and I'm like, <laughs> <Yes>. okay, <laughs> that's that's the comment you chose to put in this movie. Right. Uh, cool. They were, they were all really dumb, that's for sure. Yeah. So that's our review of the circle. We'll move on to the flyby, where Indiana Jones Five got pushed back a year to July 10th, 2020. Do you care? I no. But yes, because Harrison Ford is supposed to star in this, mm-hmm. and I'm paranoid now that yeah. because like ever since Carrie, I uh, well, I worry about Mark and Harrison and Billy and Kenny Baker. So well, it's I mean, all, Harrison doesn't necessarily live the most safe life. You know, yes, he's had two no plane kidding. crashes in the last two years. Uh, so I mean, I don't want to say like you got to make this movie for Harrison Ford, like <laughs> right. kicks the bucket, but you, you never know. And I don't think we need any Indiana Jones five, uh, Indiana Jones four left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to try to do the young thing again or whatever, like, I don't know. I don't think there's a real need for this movie outside of, uh, Disney and Lucasfilm saying, you know, we can make even more money off this. Yeah. So, I agree. Uh, I guess that's why they'll do it, but I don't. I'm not looking forward to July 10th, 2020. At least not now. Who knows? Maybe that'll change. Um, but we did get word from the Hollywood Reporter this week that Ewan McGregor is attached to star in Christopher Robin Ooh. as an old version of Christopher Robin, who's basically uh, been a long time since he's interacted with Winnie and Eeyore and all the other uh, animals and he kind of like gets lost in his way and then i think it's basically like them like his like old friends trying to help him become a more positive person or something yeah i i like to imagine this is like an oscar bait movie but I, that's probably <laughs> it's not probably true. not yeah. but i love that e mcgregor is finally getting back into like mainstream film um because i loved him as lumiere and i think that just every movie he makes in the mainstream puts us this much closer to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, especially if all of his mainstream moves are with Disney. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I like that he's sticking around the Disney family and yeah, I mean, I think it just makes it, I mean, this movie, I don't think it says when it has release dates. I don't know if it does. It might have one for 2018 or 2019, but I mean, I guess from that perspective means we'll have to wait even longer because I'll have to do this movie first before he does an Obi-Wan movie. But as long as we get an Obi-Wan movie in the next five years, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be good. For sure. So we also got a, another trailer for Cars 3. I think this is our third trailer. Uh, I I don't know. This one didn't really do anything for me. I thought it was the best trailer of all of them. Sure. 
We've got the Rocky three scene on the beach. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool, but it looks like the movie's finally telling us what it's dealing with, and it looks like about his legacy, legacy, fleeting fame, you know, dying skills for athletes, or mm-hmm. um, you can translate that to actors or anybody whose age and like youth or vitality is yeah. dependent on their career. So that seems relevant. Um, and then like also like the brand of like Nima Queen, don't yeah. damage your brand at a kid's call themselves brands today so maybe that's somewhat helpful i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah the marketing is still ticking me off a lot though because every time it says it's not over until lightning strikes yeah. i i just scream lightning strikes thrice come on <laughs> it's cars three people you'll have to come up with a new one for cars four uh, and uh pitch it early i guess yeah that'll be a major spinoff actually probably um but we also got our first trailer for kingsman the golden circle uh, for and? a lot of teases. I thought it was fine. Okay. I didn't, oh. I, I didn't love it. Uh, I, I, maybe that was my own fault. Cause I've had a lot of high expectation for this trailer. It's mm-hmm. kind of blow me away instantly. I think there's a lot of cool things in there where Pedro Pascal is like doing his gun. He's doing like a gun troll and it's firing as it's Troy. I was like, I've never really seen that before. Um, the part where, Eggsy like jumps over a car basically that yeah. he's like fl- holding onto the door. That was really cool, but I didn't need the reveal at the end. Even though I knew it was coming that Harry's back. How he's back, I have no idea. Besides, I mean, he has the, the eye, eye patch, patch, so I guess when Samuel Jackson shot him in the brain, he actually shot him in the eye, and he's alive again. So. Okay, I mean, I'll buy it. I mean, there's a lot less, or there's a lot more stupid things this thing they could have done to explain it besides just they pulled a Carl in The Walking oh, Dead and yeah. shot him in the eye. So, I mean, I'm fine with that. I didn't need to see it now, this first teaser trailer. But, I mean, it was just kind of, it was like sad. Like, oh, the Kings were under attack. Here are the statesmen, but we don't really get to know who they are really or like why they are helping the Kingsmen. Are they, like, are they rivals or are they... Are they buddies? I don't know. We don't really know anything about uh, Julianne Moore's Poppy, what her whole character motivation is as the villain. Um, but after going and defeating somebody who was trying to take over the entire uh, cell phone tower. Yeah, the planet, basically. Yeah, basically. like He's taking over that empire. Uh, I feel like you have to go even a step bigger. How are they going to do that? I don't know. But I think... I mean, I'm still t- totally excited for this movie. Sure. It's just, I ex- I expected this trailer to just be like quips and action, and that wasn't really what it was. So I was a little disappointed mm-hmm. on that end. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a teaser, not a trailer. Yeah. Like, we, there, the line between trailer and teaser has been blurred. Matthew Vaughn definitely made it clear that this was a flat-out teaser. Um, but it's set to Frank Sinatra's My Way, which is a very classy song, yes. I thought. And... That's what this trailer was, a high-stylized, high-classed, high-action thriller. Um, and Or trailer, teaser, whatever. And, you know, everything's, like you said, going sideways. The shot of the estate or the base, mm-hmm. the mansion, just sinking, like cratering. That looks super epic. And then you talked about the car scene. I can't imagine what that's going to be like because yeah. there was, like, 0.5 second glimpses of it in that mm-hmm. super super teaser yeah. <laughs> that uh um Taryn Edgerton you know shared two three weeks ago mm-hmm. so uh, that's shaping up to be awesome but Channing Tatum as a cowboy secret service 
MI6 or whatever he is, I think he's looking like uh, he could be a really enjoyable part of the movie. And I didn't mind the Colin Firth reveal that he's there because I love Colin Firth so right. much. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, something else we're looking forward to is Star Wars Episode Nine, and it was pretty much assumed that after The Last Jedi hits theaters this December that we'd have to wait until the December of 2020 to see what happens with Ray and Kylo and hopefully Luke if he's still around and uh, Poe and Finn and everybody else. And it turns out we're not going to have to wait as long because uh, Disney made their announcement for all, all these future dates and they officially dated Star Wars Episode Nine May 24th, 2020. Woo! And that is super exciting because Han Solo hasn't moved from its May date yeah. either. So, so Star Wars is now in May everybody and I, I like it i just think it's 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 bad it's a throwback to when those movies come out mm-hmm. um like in the 70s and i think the original the, the prequel trilogy didn't mm-hmm. make too out in May, yeah. so i this is perfect yeah i mean i get it from that perspective but i liked having star wars in december because it's not a lot of competition so from a box office perspective for lucasfilm disney they don't really have any competition besides Oscar movies and no offense to Oscar movies because they're great, but you're not going to beat Star Wars at the box office, even in it's like third weekend. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't get it from that perspective where they literally had a perfect window to just steamroll competition for a month and a half and they're leaving it to go to a more competitive point in the year where, I mean, one of the great things about Star Wars coming out in December is like Rogue One, I saw three times in theaters. Uh, Force Awakens, I saw six times, five or six times. Ooh. And it's because there's not a lot of other movies out besides mm-hmm. Oscar movies. And you know, living in Fort Wayne or something, all, a lot of those Oscar movies don't always come out immediately. So yeah. if you want to go to a movie, you're seeing Star Wars. Now it's coming out May 24th. I don't know what's coming out the following the first week of June in 2020. I mean, there may be a movie on there already, but I have no idea. But there's probably going to be some other big summer movie that I'm going to want to go see as well, which could cut down my repeat viewings for Star Wars. And as somebody who wants to watch these movies a lot, then... I wish it was still in December. You think it's bad strategically for them? Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's that's why I don't get it. I don't buy that just because it's Star Wars. Right. It's still it's uh, a bill one point five billion dollars. So if you wherever you stake your film, you're gonna yes. cause waves wherever yes. you go. But let's say uh let's see, twenty fifteen if Star Wars episode seven come out in the end of May uh twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that first week was in June, but it's probably something else. Star Wars opened to what two fifty something domestically, right? Yeah, and I think it dropped to like one thirty in a second weekend. But if you have another big movie opening, that could drop that one thirty down to one hundred. Yeah, that's definitely possible. So in the long run, you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars potentially, which could then go from Star Wars being a one and a half billion dollar franchise every single year to a one point two. Which may not sound like it's still one point two billion dollars. Right. Yes. But if you're Disney, why would you want one point two when you could have one point five? Right, I hear you. So yeah. uh, plus I just liked they kind of established that 
December is our stomping ground. Mm-hmm. I liked every Christmas break basically going, I can go see Star Wars whenever I want in theaters. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I want to see Star Wars, but I also want to see this movie, this movie, this movie. Right. How do I find time to watch all these? Yeah, I like though too though. I think it so works out for me though too a little bit because the end of May, school's over. So yeah. it's like make it to the end of the semester, bam. Sure. There we go. You know, that's summer. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a sentimentalist. Yeah. So I'm no, I, I get it. I get why they would want to move it back to May because it's, you know, it's where it all started. But I thought they would, I thought they would stick. And I think it also makes it less likely that Han Solo then moves to December um, or that, you know, our crazy hope that Star Wars 9 was going to come out next December. That would have been awesome. Um, it would have been awesome. But I mean, we get it only six months from then. So it's, uh, it won't be too long, I guess. So... Moving on to another movie that got a release date and some casting this week from Disney, The Lion King. The Rap is reporting that Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are set to play Timon and Pumbaa in John Favreau's live-action Lion King, which now is officially dated for July nineteenth, twenty nineteen. Oh, I just started laughing hysterically when I read that headline. Seth Rogen's fine, but Billy Eichner. Uh, it, every time I watch a Billy on the street clip or go visit him in Parks and Rec, uh-huh. he's, he is so perfect. Especially if that means like Timon is going to be like very OCD yeah. or, or just very know, shouty. Yeah. Like the dynamic between those two and who they've played over the years is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no key and peel, but mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I like, I think Seth Rogen is pretty much, you know what you're going to get with him as Pumbaa. Uh, I'm more interested in seeing Billy Eichner's Timon because I think that's more of an out-of-the-box choice than Seth Rogen, per se. Um, I mean, I could have seen them going like, I don't know, who else is a big Seth Rogen partner like? Franco? Yeah, Franco as Timon or something. I think I feel like they could have done that and been like, everybody knows what that's going to be like. Right. But now you throw Billy Eichner in the mix. Mm-hmm. It adds like an X factor where I feel like it's going to work out pretty well. But then again, I know I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know how well their, their chemistry is yeah, necessarily. For sure. But, uh, I mean, just from yeah, his voice, I feel like he can pull off the meerkat thing pretty well. Uh, hopefully both of them can uh, also sing a little bit so we can get Hukunu Matata done in oh, a very yeah. nice way. But yeah, I mean, I'm on board. Absolutely. I wish it was coming out in 2018 2019 but i'm right. not going to complain as Especially long as it's great especially with all the casting news we've been getting yeah too, so but i mean you still have we still are waiting for beyonce to become officially nala we need uh zazu we need uh scar we need the hyenas oh, that's uh, right. rafiki so there's still a couple other roles Ooh. that need to need to get cast rafiki will be an interesting cast yes it will be i can't wait to hear more on that but something we're not going to be hearing more of anytime soon is the Avengers 4 title because Kevin Feige told Cinema Blend that uh, it is a spoiler for the end of Avengers Infinity War. Ooh. What do you think that means? I think it Death means... Death of somebody? Not necessarily. I think it could almost... Okay, because, I mean, it's Avengers Infinity War, so I think the consensus right now is that the movie is going to be about Thanos comp- compiling all the Infinity Stones... And getting it to the point where then he can wield the infinity gauntlet and throw down against anybody, okay. snap his fingers, wipe away half the population of the entire universe, whatever he wants to do, he can do it. I think what would be very interesting is if they almost, if they do the, if you've read the Infinity War 
comic book run uh, from like 1992 or 93 or something. Um, that runs six issues. If they compile all that plus a little more to get in all the characters into a single movie, it ends in, this, in a similar way where the gauntlet's almost up for grabs in a sense. Uh, one thing I would love to see, well, first off, I don't want to know the title until the credits roll on Avengers Infinity War and it says these characters will return in Avengers fill in the blank with whatever the title is. What I would love to see the title be is like Avengers Fantastic Four. Avengers vs. Fantastic Four. Avengers introduce the Fantastic Four or whatever. I don't care. Just something that alludes to the Fantastic Four coming in. I don't think that's going to be the case. But if it is a scenario where it ends in a similar fashion to Infinity Gauntlet where uh, the gauntlet is up for grabs, then uh, I could see that I, I like this kind of idea that Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster could come in at the end of the movie or at the beginning of Avengers 4, pick up the gauntlet and say, we're doing this my way. Whoever wants this, whoever wants this uh, for their control has to go through a contest of champions, oh, fight smokes. it out. Uh, go through this huge all I mean that's what Grandmaster does he loves to make games of the biggest most dire situations in the galaxy and he's just been introduced a little bit I think that's maybe why we're getting a little gladiator arena in Thor Ragnarok is so they can kind of introduce the idea of Grandmaster playing these games uh, of fate and death and everything and then he can come in in Avengers 4 get the glove in his possession somehow and say, all right, you know, uh, star Lord, if you want this, Tony Stark, Black Panther, whoever it is, you want this, get in a group and we're going to go to some other world and we're going to figure this out my way. Ooh. And so then it's all off world. It's on this completely other, almost, uh, like different realm, different dimension sort of yeah. thing where anything goes, anything's possible. Um, Plus, I mean, if it is like a contest champion sort of thing where they're all fighting each other, uh, it'd be a great way to pit heroes against each other because they'd have different ideas of, okay, well, I want the Infinity Gauntlet so I can use it or I want to protect it or I want to split it up and destroy it. All these heroes would have all these different ideas of what's the best way to go about this, which would then bring an ideological conflict into the mix outside of just, we're we're super-powered people fighting each other, punch, yeah. punch, punch, wham, wham. <laughs> That sounds epic. I love that idea. The at least Jeff Goldblum gets to pop yeah. up in there. I knew you liked uh, that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite idea. And I mean, I, of course, I don't know anything about uh, the the comic series and the runs, so I'm going to have to defer to you and say that's the best solution ever. So we'll see. I mean, I, no, I just like the idea that it is almost a spoiler. I don't like that it's a spoiler because there's also a possibility that it could leak early mm-hmm. and spoil the end of Avengers 3, but... Now there's also the possibility that you know, we could be totally surprised by the way Avengers three ends, uh, and be even more surprised by the direction the fourth Avengers movie goes. Yeah, and it's finally like a almost them confirming it once again that these are very closely tied movies. But also, but also not right. So it's very it's a very interesting situation with those movies. So uh, we're only like a year away from seeing Avengers Infinity War. Crazy, it's crazy. Enough. Yeah. So. Sticking with uh, Jeff Goldblum, we're speaking of him. The Hollywood Reporter revealed this week that he is reprising his role as Dr. Ian Malcolm uh, in Jurassic uh, World 2. This is fantastic. Um, first of all, I thought Jurassic World was not only good, it was terrific. 
Um, and it was, mi- but it was missing, you know, throwback characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Richard Attenborough can't come back, uh, which is a really sad realization. But you get the next best thing: Jeff Goldblum, Doctor Ian Malcolm, Chaos Theory, uh, Mr. <laughs> Jazz, Harry Chest, whatever you want from this guy. Uh, this is perfect, and I think him and Chris Pratt together. Uh, if there's any scenes, oh, which yeah, I there's has to be, be. There's gotta is going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, the scenes with him and Chris Pratt will be great. Uh, I'm sure he'll hit on Bryce Dallas Howard because it's Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a great addition. I don't really have any reason to be upset about this or be like, oh, no, I don't think this will this is going to work. As long as they can find an, a good reason why after like two near-death experiences, Ian Malcolm is back in this game somehow, uh, I'll be on board. Do you think there's any chance that he is a Han Solo-like character or this is a Han Solo-like situation? No, I, I really hope not. And I also really hope not that he's hitting not hitting on Bryce Dallas Howard because Julian Moore is his girlfriend in the Lost World. Okay, that was... She has to come back too. <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. I think it's perfectly natural. Or not perfectly natural, but it, it's perfect it's a perfect way to, you know, bring her back into a series. But I mean, he, a liked, fantastic he series. likes redheads. Maybe she is her daughter. That would be almost. I don't know if it'd work age wise. Uh, and yeah, it'd be like, okay, you're making this a little too weird. Like, no, I know. I think Jeff is on. I think, I hope Jeff is in this movie because he sees, you know, another movie in it for him. Like his other one, his other return to a classic nineties role Didn't work. tanked hard last yes. year. So I think, he is, you know, he's in this for two movies, and but the, you know, then again, um, Bayona is is one to k- kick your emotions in the in the face. That is true. So he could do that, especially if they're going with a horror take. You know, Jeff yeah. Goldblum start talking about um, whatever and whatever and whatever, and then vump, Velociraptor. So. Yeah. I think it would. I think it could depend on the likelihood of a Laura Dern or uh, Julianne Moore, Sam Neill coming back. Because if they've all kind of said, you know, we don't want to come back, Sam Neill said, you know, I don't think he's going to return because I'm pretty sure he's dead in this universe. But that's what I like to think. Yeah. Then to me, that sounds like he doesn't want to really return <laughs> to this franchise. So if uh, none of the other big stars want to come back, then I think it's more likely that Jeff Goldblum makes out of the movie alive. Because th- why would you want to? kill off your one chance to tie it back to the original movies yeah. so quickly. For, yeah, absolutely. Um, Vince Vaughn can come back too. Sure. But I'm not thrilled. But I mean, he's like a photographer. Like, what are you going to bring him back for? Uh, he, him and Jeff Goldblum get a drink on occasionally. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> sure, you know? why not? Uh, speaking or moving on to another franchise that's coming back. Uh, Chronicles Narnia is their reboot is moving forward with Variety reporting that Joe Johnston has signed on to direct the Silver Chair adaptation. It will serve as a reboot for the franchise, uh, as stars uh, the cousin of the Perv something something. I don't know their last name. I forgot I it. The Percy's. Pervincies. I don't know, but whoever the main kids are in the in the books, their cousin Eustace. Uh, he previously played by Will Poulter yeah. in uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yeah. A very young, annoying very, yes. Will Poulter. Uh, which I actually, I watched that movie like last year. I didn't mind him as much Wasn't as I did. Wasn't his dweeby is like the, your first impression? Yeah, I was like, okay. you know, he's not great, but 
he may be my favorite part of this movie for some reason. <laughs> uh, just because, I mean, he actually kind of has like a nice arc and he gets to turn to a dragon, which is pretty cool. But anyways, for this one, we have Joe Johnston coming on to direct, previously known for Captain America, The First Avenger, Jumanji, Jurassic Park 3, The yeah. Rocketeer, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, among others. What do you think? Forgot about Jurassic Park 3. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a great slate behind him, especially Captain America. Jumanji is really good. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is always just like one of those, you, you pop it on and it's like, oh, this is so wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I guess he would do a good job sitting in the silver chair. I mean, the, the director's chair. Yeah. So yeah, I they got confidence in it. It's a franchise that I haven't minded at all uh, as I've seen the movies. Was thrilled with the first, other mm-hmm. two, okay. Yeah, it's fine. Narnia. So uh, they've got a solid guy to do the job and I am eagerly waiting to see where they take this. Yes, uh, I'm a big fan of his first Captain America movie. Thought it's a really nice period piece. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Johnson's great. I think I'm not dying for another Chronicles of Narnia movie, but if they're going to give it to me and it's going to be a reboot in some fashion, I haven't read the Silver Chair book, but I know basically what it's about where Eustace is called upon by Aslan to come in and save Prince Caspian's or King Caspian's son, Prince Caspian. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Weird. Yeah. Then, I mean, sure. I mean, I would even be okay if Will Poulter came back, and I'm pretty sure he's a little old at this point mm-hmm. for it to be a uh, young Eustace. But right. uh, you never know. So I'm just glad to see this movie moving forward because last time we talked about, it, I don't even know if we talked about it before in the podcast. Um, but like the last news that had was that it was kind of moving forward at Sony, and yeah. that was like last year. We just so, spoke about it here. Or we had a really long discussion afterwards. Yeah, one of the two. So figure it out, I guess. Yes. Uh, another director boarding a franchise. Getting a very interesting sequel. Variety is reporting that David Fincher has closed a deal to direct World War Z 2. Uh, the studio will soon greenlight the film ahead of hopefully starting in early 2018. Yeah, I mean, the guy is like a known Brad Pitt collaborator. I enjoyed World War Z, and I think this sequel is going to be terrific. Or, you know, at least almost be terrific. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I liked World War Z. Um, I don't really remember much about it besides mm-hmm. that Brad Pitt was really cool because um, he always is. But uh, yeah, I mean, this movie was originally supposed to be directed by J.A. Bayona before he dropped out to take on Jurassic Park or Jurassic World 2. Um, so if Fincher's the guy now, that sounds great because, I mean, he did Fight Club, which is a amazing, amazing movie. Um ton of other ones as well benjamin seven button. benjamin button eh, whatever um but i mean yeah I mean, he has a great filmography and if he's going to take this on i think it's going to be an even different version of a zombie movie than what world war z was where it's kind of this global uh take of okay we have to go to all these different parts of the globe to try to f- try to fight this zombie apocalypse yeah and here's all these locations i feel like this one could be a lot more personal a lot more about brad pitt's character um, I haven't read the books that these movies are based on, but it's more of like a historical perspective of the zombie apocalypse. And if they can kind of do that, do a more intimate take where it's Brad Pitt, now that he has his basically camouflage with uh, some other virus that, uh, you know, if he's going around helping other people, finding out their stories, and we get it kind of mini stories than a larger story of 
here's what here's this family's really quick 15 minute story of how they survived or uh here's this other part of this apocalypse you had no idea even existed where these zombies can live underwater these zombies can still live through fire or something like all these different like different iterations of zombies right uh if you can kind of expand it then i think fincher could do a really good job with it yeah because viruses adapt Mm -hmm. and the zombie thing is a virus in some ways but yeah it would be really awesome to see like you know world war z the the title movie is the grand sweeping movie that covers the apocalypse and then fincher and other directors come along to like, you know, plant these little anthology movies mm-hmm. in here where Brad Pitt is, is there for the beginning, the middle and the end as he has people recount yeah. their zombie experience. Uh, and I think that could make for tons of interesting films mm-hmm. um, or at least, you know, two or three more, or like you said, right. four, four or five stories inside of, you know, inside of a single movie, two hours and 20 minutes yeah. or whatever they choose to go. Uh he is also known for doing R-rated movies with you know violence and language and just adult content in general. Uh, the world, first World War Z was PG-13. Do you think that this franchise could uh, move up to an R rating? I'd be surprised because it was on the safe side of PG-13, if I remember correctly. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of gore or blood or anything I mean, there like was that. like the one like arm scene that I always remember. Um, yeah, but they didn't even show anything. It was just like a slow motion. Whoosh, and then, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, he would definitely be taking it, you know, in a radically new direction. But zombie movies have blood and gore. And mm-hmm. if you want to do it um, right, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, I think you probably want to need to take it R. But leave maybe leave the language on the soft side. That way... Yeah, your your audience can still be. Um, it, it doesn't feel too like almost contradictory to what the first movie was. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it can work. Um, the big thing of this movie is just going to be making sure that it doesn't go through the same production problems that the first one did, where they basically refilmed two thirds of the movie and uh, it went way over budget and like it it made like the movie made like five hundred fifty million dollars worldwide or something. But yeah. because of its production troubles and everything, where they had to reshoot over half the movie, it barely cracked even. So I think if Fincher can take a $120 million budget or something and make a similar box office return even better, if it's a better made movie, then uh, we could be looking at a new franchise for Universal. So uh, speaking of another new potential franchise, uh, Screen Junkies broke the news this week that Robert Zemeckis is, uh, according to them, in talks with WB to direct The Flash. And uh, one of the reasons behind maybe a possible why he would or would not do it, uh, he wants to rewrite the script, which last time we talked about The Flash, I believe, we talked about that it's going under, it's undergoing a page one rewrite currently. So he would, I don't know if he would want to rewrite it completely again or if he would rewrite that script that's been rewritten already. Um, it is since been confirmed that uh, by multiple sources that he has taken a meeting with WB, but that he might not necessarily be in talks. He's just technically met with them, but there are not talks ongoing as of right now that try to close a deal to make him the director. And mm-hmm. to make that even less likely, almost uh, universal recent, just like recently dated his next movie starring Steve Carell for a November, 2018 release date. So if he is going to be the guy for the flash, they'll have to wait until after that movie comes out to start production on it. So uh, 
with all that information, would you like to see a Rob Zemeckis flash movie? Are, are you kidding me? I mean, I'll see a Robert Zemeckis almost anything. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, Castaway, still favorite Tom, one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies, yeah. right there by Saving Private Ryan. Um, and, of course, Forrest Gump and Turner and Hooch. But don't don't at me. Um, what? Turner and Hooch is great. Okay, thank you. Most people fight and resist that. I mean, I, I, would, I don't know if I'd say it's one of his best movies. No, but, but it's I mean, a classic. There's Toy Story, Toy Story 3, uh, which, I mean, those are voices. but Yeah, I, I, I pile those separately. Yeah. But anyway, the, the man is a great director. But also, do you know what he wrote, Cooper? Hmm, West Wing. No. I don't know. He, he, the man at least had his hands all over Back to the Future. Well, yes. The quintessential time travel movies. Yeah. So even if he doesn't direct this movie, him wanting to rewrite the script, isn't that just like, doesn't that make you happy in some way? Uh, sure. I mean, if he wants to rewrite the script, that could be cool. But this movie's had so many script rewrites that the next director would come in and try to change that again. So I'd be more on board if he actually directed this movie because like you said okay. he did back to the future what's back to the future a movie about a young kid who finds out he can travel through time mm-hmm. does so in a great way and almost screws up his entire life yeah that is basically the flash to a t <laughs> so if there's i don't care i mean i you know when we started this podcast the flash would have been or was the dc movie i was most excited for because I liked the look of Ezra Miller's character in BVS. I loved Dope, so I was really happy to see Rick Famuyiwa on board. Uh, I just gotten into DC Rebirth, and that the Flash run in that has been really strong. So there's a lot of reasons for me to be super excited for the Flash movie. If Robert Zemeckis is ultimately the director and writer of the movie, potentially, I mean, sign me up immediately, even if I have to wait till 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, just give it to me. Yeah. Or maybe even he takes the job and passes the Steve Carell movie to, you know, somebody else and produces it. Maybe I think I feel like that's less likely because I think Probably. I think this is a, the Steve Carell movie I don't know a lot about, but it's a movie that he's been wanting to make for a long time. Oh. So for him to then go, well, I'm going to go do a superhero movie. Yeah, uh, seems very unlikely to me. And like the, just even the thought of Rob Zemeckis meeting for a, I don't know if he is going to. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to actually land the job and be the one to direct it. But the fact that he is meeting with them, I think, is a great sign of just, again, the talent level that WB is uh, approaching for all of their superhero movies. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the OG Time Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to drop a Doctor Who reference on you guys. But, yeah, this, that, this is probably my favorite small story we have this week. Yeah. Love it. I had, uh, I had somebody ask me on Twitter this week after this news broke. Uh if he did this, would he be the best director to direct a comic book movie? Uh, him and him and Favreau. It's, I think it's him and Nolan. I think that's. Oh well, uh, yeah. Okay. I that's. Feel, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's always that argument of, well, is is the Dark Knight really a superhero movie or sure. whatever? But I mean, it it is. Yes. Um. And yeah, I mean, I think it'd be. I mean, obviously, a lot of whether or not he'd be the best director. I mean. Certainly up for debate. Yes. I mean, if the Flash, if he did the Flash and it was great, then I think he could definitely be right up there. One one B to Christopher Nolan, one A or something, or mm-hmm. maybe he's one and then Nolan's one B, whatever the case is. Um, 
But I think that just I think that uh, it's a very interesting way to look at it of just the caliber that they're going for. Because we had the rumors of Mel Gibson possibly for Suicide Squad two. Uh, we've seen Joss Whedon jump on Batgirl, Matt Reeves taking on Batman. Yeah. Um, I mean, even somebody like Zack Snyder, who's a very polarizing director, but uh, movies make money. Yeah, and I mean, he has a lot of style. Maybe not all substance, but the visual style of a director is very important, and he is right up there with anybody. So, I mean, w, I mean, it's, it just shows like the two different approaches that the that DC and Marvel studios are taking, where. Marvel is hiring people like Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. Yeah. And DC's going like, we're going to get Robert Zemeckis right. possibly. Yeah. Who's do who, who's full, who's, who's big and flashy right yeah. now. And yeah. Flashy. Nice. Uh, oh, Hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, I don't, Pun. I don't know which way is the best way to go. I mean, I kind of like the young directors. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's not necessarily the approach that uh, Marvel went to start. It was only after they kind of built up this, this filmography of saying we have these six really good movies. We're going to expand our horizons a little bit, bring in somebody like James Gunn, the Russos. Um, and then, you know, now it's moving to phase three and stuff, you know, Taika Waititi, uh, uh, Scott Derrickson and you know, Anna Bowden, Ryan Fleck, Ryan Coogler. You're bringing in all these kind of not less, I mean, lesser known to the general public mm-hmm. public's uh, Yeah. When you have a strong writer's room, you can take chances yeah. any, all day and every day. Exactly. And Marvel, I mean, Marvel's proven that, you know, they have, that their directors are more so just direct, they want to make, have directors, and we talked about it last week with the Cat Marvel stuff, where yep. they want directors who can nail the character, and then Marvel Studios has the people that can worry about making sure that all these fight scenes and everything look awesome. Yeah. And I think DC's going more so, we want our director to handle everything. Um in my opinion, that hasn't necessarily worked the best so far, but I don't think that's a criticism of the director's capabilities. I think it's more so of WB at a certain point goes and says, this isn't the movie we want. Here are the things we need you to include Mm -hmm. or cut out, or we need to put more music in the movie or whatever it is. Um, So, I mean, who knows? I, I hope that this does happen. Yeah, same here. But... Uh, our last news story of the day is a, I mean, it's, it's a spoiler for the ending of Split. So if you if you have not seen Split, uh, thanks for stopping by. Listen to this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week where we're going to review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. We're going to do a preview of that, which will be out in the next couple of days when you're hearing this. So if you have not seen Split and you're planning on seeing Split, and you don't want to know what happens at the end of it. Uh, turn away now. We'll see you next week. But if you have seen split you want to know about what's going to happen next uh stick around and we'll talk about it so if you're still with us universal has officially announced that unbreakable and split are getting sequels in the form of a single movie titled glass m night Shyamalan will be directing and will feature the return of bruce will samuel l jackson anya taylor joy and james mcavoy all reprising their characters uh, from Unbreakable and Split. The movie will come out in January of 2019 and already has an early synopsis, uh, which is, quote, following the conclusion of Split, Glass finds Dunn pursuing Crumb's superhuman figure of the Beast in a series of escalating encounters while the shadowy presence of Price emerges as an orchestrator who holds secret criti- or secrets critical to both men. Ooh. 
What do you think about this? Uh, McAvoy's character is coming back. That was my initial take um, because he, him playing those personalities was one of the greatest parts of Split. I, I think you agree? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the best part of Split okay, for sure. Fantastic. Um, Unbreakable is a solid movie. I haven't seen the first two acts. I'll get to it, I guess. <laughs> but um, I'm down for a... M. Night Shyamalan superhero trilogy. Yeah. And what about you? I mean, yeah, I think this is uh, this is really exciting because, I mean, I feel like we all kind of knew it was happening. Shyamalan's been teasing ever since Split came out that he's been writing a sequel to Split and with Split ending with Bruce Willis reprises role as David Dunn looking at the screen and, you know, making a mention of Mr. Glass. You realize, oh, shoot, this all takes place in the same universe. That's really cool. And now that it's actually happening and they're making it through the studio somehow, Blumhouse is coming in to produce it. Uh, I think this is, I mean, this is a universal movie, but Unbreakable was a Disney movie. So they're all the complications are, I don't know how they've made that work, but they have somehow. And I I mean, that's awesome. So um, I'm, I'm just pumped that this is happening because I think we're actually going to really good Bruce Willis movie, which is yeah, know, is something that's been hard to come by in the last couple Very of years. Very short supply. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. If it is, I mean, this, this synopsis sounds like it's going to be a movie led by Bruce Willis and James McAvoy with Samuel Jackson coming in as a third figure into the plot. That's kind of stirs things up. How Anya Taylor joys figures in. I have no idea. That's the, that's the big question mark I have. The sidekick to Bruce Willis is um, hunting down this, yeah. this guy. So who was the last person that survived? Oh, this girl. So mm-hmm. there's going to be that back and forth. Hopefully there's some chemistry. So uh, my hope is that this movie's a little bit lighter than, than what we saw was. split be mm-hmm. because it would be it would be hard to enjoy Bruce Willis as uh, David Dunn when there's a, a lot of mm-hmm. emotional weight on top of this, like we saw with Split. Yeah, so I mean, I think the emotional weight could depend on whether or not his family comes back into the movie oh, after yeah. the sequel, uh, which would be great because we have Robin Wright then coming back. Epic. Uh, that'd be awesome. Um, and then his son is played by... Uh, shoot, I can't remember who it is, but uh, basically in the movie they they kind of allude to the fact that his that Bruce Willis's son may also have superpowers. Um, Spencer Treat Clark. Yes. Uh, so whether or not he would be good or bad, maybe. I mean, the whole point of Unbreakable is that if you if you have a power set, there's somebody with the exact opposite power set, and you are arch enemies. Basically, that's the whole point of Dunn versus Glass. Yeah. Now that the beast is out there, who is that opposite of the beast? I don't even know what that would be, but could that be, you know, Clark's character? Could that be mini? That could that be like Junior Dunn or whatever? Like yeah. maybe I don't know, but uh, I'm super interested to see what this movie is going to be like. If it is going to be just this tightly contained cast of four people, or if they'll bring in, you know, they'll bring in other people, obviously, but how much they'll play into the story how this will play out are like are done and the beast going to actually like fight like oh, i hope so that'd be awesome yeah so i mean yeah i'm totally i'm totally on board for this yeah so it's so it's so good to see shamala's got a groove oh yeah back um now we just can't mess it up <laughs> yeah absolutely 
So, so fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's like the second week of January, second or third week of January 2019. So mm-hmm. very similar to Split this year, come 2019. Hopefully a uh, Shyamalan movie is going to be one of the top movies of the year, potentially. Yeah. So sounds like a lot of good stuff. And uh, that's that's all the news we got. Fantastic. So uh, made it through pretty quickly today. So uh, next week, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We're going to record a preview episode, which you guys will hear after this. Uh, I think it'll come out Tuesday night. If you're a subscriber, you'll get it onto your phone or whatever. you listen to. Uh, if you're subscribed to us, you'll get it then. If you're waiting for the link, you'll get it Wednesday morning. So little incentive to sur- to subscribe possibly if you want to get our thoughts instantaneously as soon as they drop. That's the best way to do so. Um, and if you are subscribing, you're probably doing it on iTunes. Head over there. If you, Even if you're not, especially then go over and subscribe. But it, once you're on iTunes on the Friends of Phil page, please leave us a review. Uh, hopefully it's five stars. Give us comments on what we're doing great, what we could do better on. But other than that, once you see the episode links out there, just share it with everybody you know. Anybody who is, if you saw the circle, if you know somebody who saw the circle, send them, send them our way. See if we have similar thoughts or if maybe they love the movie. Yeah. Uh, you never know. But, I will always argue with you on Twitter. So yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. We love Twitter arguments uh, as long as you're nice. Yeah. Uh, respectable. Yes, exactly. We don't have to agree, but as long as we can do it in a, a respectful fashion and we're not, you know, calling each other names and you know, sending each other mean gifts, then I think it'll think it'll work. Mm-hmm, I agree. Even though, even though gifts are the best way to communicate online. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's all we got. So um, during our time, we be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered. By tune at friends and film, where you'll see updates on the podcast, news and more. You can find me personally on Twitter at coops underscore hoops. And you'll be starting your arguments with me at just Joshua Ryan. That's right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Josh, any final words for the viewers? Thanks for stopping by the pod, everybody. Yeah, thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of the Podcast. Be sure to next week for our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and tune in even earlier in the week for our preview of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2.